0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Disciple Makers podcast by discipleship.org. I'm your host, Dave Stovall, and today we've got another episode featuring Melanie Wise and Marshall Gallagher of Mercy Multiplied. They had some pretty amazing things to say about actually hearing from the Holy Spirit. The fact that sometimes we hear the Holy Spirit in different ways from person to person, whether we hear words in a still, small voice inside of our heads, Or we see pictures that seem to come from a different place than just our own brains. They also talk about what it looks like to actually be free in your life. These are two things that have become dear to my heart in the last year. As my family and I have faced some things that sort of forced us to take a look at freedom in our own lives. And I truly believe that God wants everyone to be really free. And for some of us, it doesn't just happen automatically overnight when we ask for it. Sometimes there's a process we have to go through in order to get it. So let's hear from Melanie and Marshall from Mercy Multiplied. Enjoy the episode.
1: Good morning, everybody. I am so impressed by all of you. If I were going to a conference where the breakout sessions were at 8, I would probably not be there. So I'm so impressed that you all are up and at it. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I barely made it in this morning. Um, I've got a one-year-old, a three-year-old. And I am emotionally fried, cried most of the way here in traffic. <laughs> like, it was one of those mornings. So my mom was in the passenger seat, like, just praying for me the whole way here. I was like, i got to stop crying. I've got to speak. So I don't know what you're about to get from me. I really don't know what's about to happen. I'm probably just going to be very emotional. Like, freedom. <laughs> Everyone needs freedom. You rise to the occasion. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh man! Um, well, we are so glad that you guys are with us this morning. I how many of you were with us yesterday? Or actually, better question: how many of you were not with us yesterday? Okay, in that wow. case, awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to do the long, lengthy intro like I did yesterday, and try to. We have so much that we want to cover in the next hour that I don't want to spend too long introducing. But uh, my name is Melanie Wise and I'm the Senior Director of Outreach at Mercy Multiplied, which is literally located right next door to this property. Uh, And then this is Marshall Gallagher and he is our
2: Church
1: Strategy Advisor. Church Strategy Advisor. We've changed so, many titles titles so many times. Were coming to my it's mind. It's not
2: significant enough to just... Church Strategy
1: in. Advisor. He is a local pastor uh, here in the Nashville area. And basically, mercy multiplied if you do not know who we are. And most people do not know who we are. So we are... A, uh, a program that is really uh, created to bring uh, hope and healing and freedom to the world and we do that through quite a few different ways one of them is our residential program for young women uh, which actually began in 1983 so next year we're celebrating 40 years which is really fun I just celebrated my 40 years of life this year and uh, it's just a really big milestone for us but Nancy Alcorn is our founder and president and she began Mercy in um, 83 just as a residential program for young women that has been continuing on. We now have a home here in Nashville, we have a home in Sacramento, California, we have international affiliates in Canada and the UK. Um, and then we also have locations in Monroe, in St. Monroe, Louisiana, and St. Louis, Missouri, uh, which are now actually both uh, becoming outpatient programs. Our Monroe one actually has been now for a couple of years. And in our outpatient location, we are serving both men and women over the ages of uh, 13. And so it's really cool because for like almost 40 years, we've only served young women in a residential setting. And so there are countless people who reach out to us needing help, and we're like, you're not a young woman, so you can't come to our program, right? Um, and so it's been really, really cool to have that opportunity to expand what Marshall and I do. In the rest of our team that is here, we are part of uh, the Outreach Services Department, and so what, what we do for people who work in the church, they think of outreach as like, oh, you go and serve, uh, you know, the homeless in Nashville. Like that's not what outreach is for us as an organization. Our outreach is actually to the church, and so we want to be able to come alongside pastors and ministry leaders and local churches to say, hey, we've been working with hurting people for forty years, not we. But Mercy has been, and Mercy has learned a lot over the years, and we have learned from Mercy as we have come in. I cannot tell you how much I have learned from being part of that organization. I was uh, in youth ministry for six years, actually, at Bobby Harrington's church um, before working at Mercy, and I often just share story after story at our workshops of how many ways I crashed and burned in ministry I uh, really thought like I had some clue what I was doing and sweet Linda back here actually worked with her at the church and so it's always funny to share some of those things with people that I worked with or whose kids were in the youth ministry of which I was helping to oversee I'm like I've just prayed blessings over all of your daughters and, and believing that they're doing great now uh, but all this to say it is really our heart to say, hey, we've we've been at this for a while. What can we do to support you, help you, resource you, equip you, all of those good things? And so that is a little bit of background on us. And we, um, what we really are excited about today, and I just have decided I'm going to do this, even though there's more people here this morning than we expected, we are going to be doing a very quick flyover of the discipleship principles that are in our study, Keys to Freedom. And I, the whole way, every time I've been thinking about this specific session, I've been so concerned that this was going to come across as some sort of, like, infomercial for Keys to Freedom. And that is not what we wanted it to be. So I came in this morning, and I was like, I just think everybody who shows up to this session, we're just going to give a copy to.
2: So, So she keeps look. She keeps looking at me like I. I don't know why.
1: I know I like ask my team for permission. I'd be terrified if I
2: had the idea and looked over there.
1: Yeah, I'm more doing that at our resource manager or our CEO.
2: Uh, (laughs) It's
1: fine. I hope it's fine. It's fine. Um, So.
2: Tell them it was my idea. Okay. What are they gonna do? do? Um,
1: So. I I just I want to be able to just bless you guys with this this morning, especially the fact that you got up early and got here, um, so that you can really just have a very practical way to take these things back, and, um, and, and so that we can talk about it and not make it sound like, well, clearly I have to go by the study now. That's not, that's not our heart at all behind this, um, but Marshall, I'm going to let you kind of like lead into the intro right. of this awesome. before we jump into the keys.
2: Awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. That was like a pastor thing I just did. Like, hey, good morning. I just realized it myself. Anyway. uh, uh, So, okay. So uh, the keys to freedom, the discipleship study, like this is really, uh, like Melanie said, what has been developed like in a live format with these young women for almost 40 years. And the principles are kind of sitting in there. The girls go through this in the home. Uh, In groups. And And the men and
1: women who go through our outpatient program. Yeah, now. This is the core curriculum that they're all going through. Walk
2: through it. And so uh, basically, this is kind of like the heartbeat of the outreach department, a huge heartbeat of mercy. Um, If you want to, I think you have it on there. You can go to the website down there, Um, mercymultiply.com, keys to freedom. A lot of stuff there. But so what we're going to do is just cover all the keys, Uh, like Melanie said, do a very quick truncated flyover just to give you uh, an idea of kind of what it covers what topics what what are the keys why keys things like that um, and you're gonna a big big piece you're gonna hear us say is that this is going to be a process we said it yesterday uh, healing freedom uh, it's not like a one stop fix it's not uh, it's not a key that you just unlock and then toss away (laughs) like none of us do that with keys uh maybe unless it was a game show or something but it's like we keep keys and we carry them with us and we use them consistently and and that's really the heart uh here is that you know you'll people even everybody comes through this the the women at the home are very encouraged to keep going through each of these keys it's something you carry with you uh for a long time so yeah
3: yeah
1: okay Here's here my downfall in planning for this session. I gave you way too many blanks. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, there may be points where I just give you the blank and then we keep moving on. Okay? Uh, for again, we made jokes yesterday about the people in the room who like will die if they walk out of here without one of the blanks filled in. I know you and I love you because I am one of you. I have to have all the blanks. Uh, so I will make sure if I skip any, just yell out at me and let me know. Um, but. I want to jump into, you know, really, Mercy, at our core, we have professional counselors in our residential program. We have professional counselors in our outpatient program. If you were with us yesterday, you know how passionate we are about bringing professional people into the stories and into the equations when that is when that is appropriate. We also feel like Christian discipleship is vital when people want to live in healing and freedom. Um, but really, at our core, we are a discipleship, Program. that's what we believe that we are. We are equipping the people who come into our counseling programs uh, with biblical principles and giving them actionable ways to put those principles to work in their lives. And so that's what that's the heartbeat of this study and these principles that we're going to cover. And so I want to land for a little bit on this very first piece on hearing from God. We have what we call seven keys, and this is not one of the seven, but this is probably the most foundational piece to the entire rest of the journey that we have to land on it for a little while. And this is the one that I'm looking at going like, shoot, I have way too many blanks, but I'm going to try to cover this as best as possible in the time that we've got. Um, I know for me personally, for most of my Christian life to date, I did not know that it was possible to hear from the Lord, had never been taught that, had never been introduced to that idea, um, and I, had heard, I heard people talk about it you know I'd read books about people or hear people say like I just feel like the Lord shared this with me this morning or God told me this or that and I'm like I don't, that's not that's not an experience that I have with the Lord that's very foreign to me and I would even say that I probably did what a lot of people do if they're introduced to something that's uncomfortable like I just kind of laughed it off like that's not possible there's no way that the Lord talks to you or that you can hear from God that's just not a thing Um, When I look back on it, I think probably what I felt the most was just deep, deep envy. Because I was like, I don't have that kind of relationship with the Lord. And no one's ever told me that that was possible. No one's ever discipled me in that way. Um, And so uh, I would would venture to say that there might be some of you in the room who are going, oh, what are these people? (laughs) They're talking about hearing from God. I don't know about this. Um, that may be something for you that you also haven't really been introduced to that might be a little foreign or unfamiliar to you. Um, but we would always say that if you've experienced something weird in the area of like hearing from the Lord, um, God isn't weird. Holy Spirit isn't weird. People are weird. So if you've experienced something weird in that realm of the hearing from the Lord, it's because a person was making it weird. okay? That was not the Lord, that was not the Holy Spirit. And so that was supposed to be funny. <laughs> you are going be like, oh yeah, like people. People can make this thing very, very weird and turn people off to it, or or can abuse it, and it can get really, really bad. And I know a pastor locally here um, who is often talked about, and he's actually the pastor of a Baptist church. And the Baptist church historically Imagine hasn't really been that. big on hearing from the Lord, but he said, you know, I feel like the enemy has been after. You know, like when Jesus came. You know, the enemy knows things but doesn't know all things, right? And so, like, when Jesus came, the enemy was probably like, oh, this doesn't feel like this is going to go great for me. Like, Jesus is coming here, and I'm not sure this is where I rule and reign. You know, Jesus is coming, not feeling good about this. Jesus dies on the cross, is raised from the dead. Enemy's like, oh, man, this is not great. I don't feel good about where this is heading right now, right? But what was potentially the most terrifying thing to the enemy was when Jesus was like, hey, I'm going here, and I'm going to give my Holy Spirit to all y'all. (laughs) i'm from texas um we have to give it to all of you how terrifying would that be for the enemy to go oh holy spirit's about to be in in all these people right and so is it any wonder that there has been so much just doubt and skepticism about the holy spirit over the years in the church and it's just not shocking to me that that is an area that the enemy has been after within the body of christ that there would be like i don't know about holy spirit stuff I don't know about, mm, mm, that's weird. That That's literally disconnecting us from the actual power source that we have. And so when it comes to hearing from God, I, I would assume that most of us would believe that God is a relational God and desires to connect and communicate with us. I mean, guys, he created relationships. All relationships grow through communication, through back and forth communication. I don't know about y'all. But if I sit down across the table from another person and I just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, I don't consider that a conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've always been taught, like prayer is a conversation with God. Well, that's sweet. But if I'm just doing all the talking and I'm never getting quiet and listening to the Holy Spirit, I don't consider that a conversation. And so it is really, really important for us to be able to learn for ourselves um, how to hear from the Lord, but also how to disciple others in that way. And so. Um, We would say that discipling others to hear and receive from God for themselves is vital. It is vital. I don't know how we would do what we do, and I don't know how we would help anyone else do what they do without this. Because here's the thing, no matter how amazing you are at what you do, and I'm sure everyone in this room is amazing at what they do in ministry and helping other people, you do not have the power to change or heal another person's heart. You just don't. There is literally only one who can do that. And so, the most important thing for you to do is to help people, disciple people into a relationship with Jesus where He does for them what only He can do, that you literally can't do for them, that they cannot do for themselves, that Jesus has to do for them. And so, I'm going to jump through these next through what, I, y'all, this teaching that we do typically at our Empower Workshop is usually like a 45 minute teaching on hearing from God. So I'm about to just throw these things at you, and please come to our improv workshop if you want more. Um, let's talk a little bit about God's voice. We would say that God's voice creates. When God speaks, he's using the same thing that he used to create the universe, and I believe he still uses to create today. We need God to do some supernatural creating in the hearts and the minds of the people that we work with, right? Yes? Yes. Uh, and then God's voice also reveals. Jeremiah 33.3 is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you marvelous and wondrous things that, anybody know it? You do not know. You, do not know. you could never, there's a one translation that says you could never figure out on your own. When you are working with people who are hurting and they are on a healing journey, you need the Lord to put his finger on some things and highlight some things that you would never be able to figure out and that even they would never be able to figure out. When I started learning how to hear from the Lord and I started dealing with different things in my life, even when like bless my children, but like, toddlers have a way of bringing out things in you that you did not know were there, right? (laughs) And so there are things that come out of me and I'm like, oh, Jesus, what is that? where did that just come from? And he will sometimes put his finger on something that I'm like, oh, I would never have been able to figure that out on my own. Thank you for helping to bring to light something that I could never have figured out. And so that is so vital when we're working with others. And let's talk a little bit about some of the ways that we would say he speaks, because some of y'all are still looking at me like, I do not know about you right now. <laughs> I do not know what you're talking about. So let's get a little more practical, okay? Okay. We absolutely, 100%, beyond a shadow of a doubt, will say that his primary means of communication with us is through Scripture. It is through the Word of God. That is our plumb line. It will everything that we think we receive from the Lord will always be held against Scripture and make sure that it lines up with Scripture. But there are other ways that we believe that God wants to communicate with us. One of them would be a still, small voice. Some people, some people would say this is just their conscience, Right? <clears throat> But sometimes it's that voice in your head, those things that redirect you, the things that are coming to your mind. Sometimes that is the Holy Spirit wanting to speak to you. Um, and, and, you know, often we, we, we think that, like, we want to hear God, like, writing in the sky, you know, and it's like these big things, and these big moments that we want to hear from the Lord. So often he speaks in a very, very small whisper, right? You see that even in Scripture. It wasn't in the wind or the fire or the flames or I don't remember what that scripture is but right it was in the still small voice of the Lord um and so the next one would be impressions this is whenever people say like oh I just felt prompted to do this I felt an inclination to do this to reach out to do uh to just felt led to do this thing so the Lord can speak to us in impressions another way is pictures and y'all I realize that if this is, like, a little bit foreign to you, that this one might get kind of weird or sound weird to you, but this is a very valid way. Some people, I don't believe that I hear from the Lord in dreams. That is not how the Lord speaks to me. If so, we have a lot of conversations to have because I have some weird dreams, okay? But I do believe that many, many times when I ask the Lord a question and I get quiet and I get still, so many times I'll get a picture in my mind. And many times I'm like, ooh, Lord, like, what does that mean? And we will have, like, a a conversation about, like, a picture that he has given to me. And, And he has given me pictures and even just kind of, like, images in my mind when I've spoken to him that have sustained me through some of the darkest days of my life. There have been some dark seasons of life where I have prayed and God has shown me something and given me a picture of kind of what's going on. And it has truly been something I've gone back to hold on to. I have story after story that I would typically share at this time, but that is just a very valid way that he can speak to us. And then other things are worship and music. I hope that you hear from the Lord as you worship. Um, and, And other people, I hope we all have people in our lives that are speaking encouragement and truth into our lives. And then confirmation is always a funny one, and most people are like, oh, that I absolutely can go along with. Because confirmation is when the Lord repeats himself over and over and over and over. You feel like maybe there's somebody in your life that you're supposed to be forgiving and you wake up and you're doing your devotional and it's on forgiveness that morning. And then later on, you're in a coffee shop, you overhear a conversation of two people talking about forgiveness. And then you go to church on Sunday morning. What's the next sermon series gonna be on? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. And it's just like, okay, Lord, I got it, I got it, I got it. Anyone hear from the Lord through confirmation? Yeah, okay. Um, so those are just a few That's not all of the ways but those are just some of the main ways that we would say that the Lord would want to speak to us and can speak to us um, I would also say that we we want to talk about the, the voice of the Lord and how to know that it's Him and first of all it always, 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 always always lines up with yes. Scripture always it also always lines up with His character there is a Feel to God's voice that I believe we learn and we grow in as we grow in this area of our walk with Him. And I'll often use um, an example that I heard on a podcast a long time ago. Um, you know, I so I've been married to my husband now for almost seven years, and over those years, or I've known him now for almost nine. Over that t- that time, I've I've learned his voice, and I don't mean just how his voice sounds. I've learned the nature and the character of his voice. So, if someone came up to me and said, "Hey, uh, Melanie, like I was talking to Pete, and he was just talking about how annoying you were today," I'd be like, man, I, that does not sound like something Pete would say. that just I know his heart towards me, I know the way he speaks. that doesn't sound like something he would say about me. And so that is something that I've learned over time, okay, and so I believe that as you grow in this area of your walk with the Lord and you're teaching others to grow, they start to. There's just, I heard somebody once say, like, it's almost like his words are like asterisked. Did I say that word correctly? Or like italicized. It's almost like it's just different than the normal thoughts that course through my mind throughout the day. And then the last one is that his voice always brings life, never shame or condemnation. Does he convict? Oh, yeah. But when He convicts, it brings about life. I know when the Lord has put His finger on things in my life or convicted me of things in my life, there is like a freedom that actually comes with it because I'm like, oh, thank you, God, you just got to the core of why this thing has been hard for me or what this struggle has meant. There is a life that comes from it, not shame and condemnation. Um, oh man, Ugh, I want to be able I want to be able to. I be able to okay. Anyway, next place. Some of the common blocks to hearing from God could be expectation. So we expect that the Lord is going to only talk to us this way or speak to us this way, and we are open to the possibility that he would want to speak to us in other ways. Um, Another one is anxiety and doubt. A lot of people, when they're first learning how to hear from the Lord, they can really get very nervous that they're not going to be able to do it, that they're not going to get it right. And man, I would just encourage people, put your confidence more in his ability to speak than in your ability to listen. Okay? like He wants to speak to you more than you want to hear from him. And so encouraging people in that. And also, I feel like a lot of people will you know, try this out and be like, the first time they sit down and they get quiet before the Lord, if they don't hear something in five seconds, they're like, just like I thought, i could never do this. He doesn't want to talk to me, you know, kind of thing. And so giving people, um, as Marshall has already said, this is a process. This is something you grow in. This is something that you are discipled in, in a way that, you know, it's just going to take some time for you to grow more and more attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, And then the next one would be unforgiveness and bitterness. Oh, man, y'all. You want to talk about a block. There's something blocking your ability to hear from the Lord. That is one of the first places I would encourage you to go. Am I harboring (coughs) any unforgiveness or bitterness in my heart towards the Lord (laughs) or towards other people? Y'all, in our residential program, I cannot tell you how many young women their breakthrough, like breakthrough started happening for them and everything, the freedom and healing journey opened up in a whole new way when they started walking the road of forgiveness towards those who've hurt him, those who've hurt them. And so this can be a really, really, really big block um, for people if it's not dealt with. And then the last one would be unconfessed sin. I mean, goodness, if you've got parts of your life that you're keeping in darkness, it's in the enemy's territory. There's parts of your life Um, that have not been surrendered and brought into the light before the Lord. And so that is absolutely going to create a block in your ability to hear and receive from him. Okay, the last piece of this is the actual kind of discipling piece of it, or the practical working out of it, okay? And this might be for some of you in the room, and this could be for some of you to be able to take back to the people that you work with. If this is an area that you want to grow in, or that you've never even really given it a shot before, one of the ways that we teach people on how to hear from the Lord is by asking questions, leaving space for him to speak, and prayer journaling what we receive. So y'all, this is literally the most basic process. It is writing a question at the top of a piece of paper, whatever question you want to ask the Lord. If you want to start somewhere, we always encourage people to start with, God, what is one of your favorite things about me? Write it at the top of a piece of paper. And then a small thing that I love to do is write two quotation marks as like just a faith statement that God I'm about to hear from you. I feel like you're gonna speak. And whatever it is that wells up in your heart and mind, you just write it or draw it or whatever it is. And do not stop because y'all what will stop everyone, I'm sure it stopped people in this room before is like getting into that place of like, is that God? Is that me? Is that God? Is that me? That's probably me. That's probably the pizza I ate last night. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Ah, I can't do this, right? And so getting yourself stuck in that is that God, is that me place, okay? We encourage with this prayer journaling, do not stop to think about that yet, okay? Not yet. Write everything. Draw everything that's coming to your heart and mind and just go, go, go. And as soon as you don't feel like you're really getting anything else, put those quotation marks at the end. And then at that point, take what you have and take it back to the word of God the character of God? Does it line up with scripture? Does it line up with truth? Um, does it bring life? Does it bring shame and condemnation? If so, it's probably on him, right? Maybe even bring some trusted people, mentors into your life to say, this is something I feel like. You can, you can mishear, y'all. It happens. It absolutely happens. There have been times where I'm like, oh, I, don't think I, I don't think that was the Lord. I thought that was it. not sure. Um, That that can happen, but if we have people in our lives that we're also doing this with, that can also bring a great level of just accountability and truth into it. And so these are, y'all, I can testify, because like I told you, most of my life, I did not know this was a thing. I didn't know that it was possible to hear from the Lord. When I started doing that exercise every single day, just every morning, just doing one question and getting quiet. Over the course of time, I was like, holy moly, he actually did want to talk to me. And it has radically changed my life, spiritually. And this has only been within the last maybe five or six years, y'all. This has changed everything for me, and now I could not be more passionate about it, because I'm like, man, how, how empty and lifeless was my walk with the Lord before when I was not living in conversation with him. I wasn't abiding. I wasn't walking with him on day to day. And so this can change your life, and I can tell you it will change the lives of the people that you work with. And I know that I just took basically half our time doing that one, but that is probably the most foundational piece to all of the keys that we'll be talking about and everything about this, because I will tell you that everything in this study, it's geared towards what is the Lord, like, ask the Lord this, ask the Lord this. Ask God this. It's not come up with your own mind or ask your spouse or your group leader. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. So that is foundational to everything that we do at Mercy and also everything that is part of this study. And I will tell you that that's the reason miracles happen. Because the book's fine. It's, a, it's fine. It's a good set. Our program is good. It's, great. it's a great program. We've got great counselors. The testimonies that come out of that study and our program are not explainable by a good book or good staff. They are only explained by the miracles of the Lord working in the hearts of the people who come. And it's because we have, we have set that foundation for them. Like you have got to know how to receive from the Lord. You have to. This, this can't go anywhere until we're there.
3: Better Man is about unleashing a better masculinity and manhood, one rooted in God's timeless word, a free resource for churches, men's groups, fathers, brothers, and husbands. Better Man is a deep dive into what it means to be a real man. Too many men today are lost, walking around in a masculinity fog. Better Man is the clarity and conviction you need to be the man God has called you to be. Check us out at BetterMan.com.
1: Now we want to go ahead and just do a quick flyover of the seven keys so that you have a concept of what we believe are pivotal, uh, pivotal pieces to the process. So, do you want to Yeah, to <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, inviting the Lord into this whole process kind of fits with the first. This is really the key ring, right? We keep talking about we're, we're coming to the keys, we're coming to the key, and we keep burying the lead. This yeah. is the ring, and then come the, the key. But uh, it's commitment to Christ. And so uh, John 5, uh, you know, Jesus is talking about the, the shift that is happening between him and the Father and his disciples. It says, uh, when we commit our lives to Christ, we literally pass from death to life. Uh, and even knowing like that's what we are offering is, I mean, through Jesus, through us, right? That's, that's what we're hoping to show people is, is life. Um, and then just practically, if there's no connection to that life, all the other keys. I mean, I don't think they make much logical sense. But if someone's like, "Well, I really want to heal from life's hurts, but I don't want Jesus to be a part of it," we kind of mentioned this yesterday. And I think there's a difference between uh, resistance and rejection. We'll always get. We all have resistance to Jesus. But if if someone who's walking through this study doesn't have a commitment to Jesus, uh, it's it's going to be flat. We just don't have the power source. And we all know that, but that's why it's that ring. It's the first starting point, um, and it's why it's in there, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And when people want to walk a healing journey and they're like, I'm not really interested in Jesus. I don't want any of that. I just want you to fix all my stuff. I'm like, yeah, let's not look.
2: There are better, there are better you know, I don't know, audio books. You just sure, go get through a hundred of them. Yeah.
1: Godspeed. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, like, really, I mean, the, the best you can hope for apart from Jesus is just coping. You know, So, I mean, there's lots of programs out there that will teach you how to try to cope with your issues, maybe. Um, But when you bring Jesus into the equation, that's when actual, like, root-level healing and freedom happen. Um, So that was commitment to Christ. The next key is healing life's hurts. I think we would probably all agree that the vast majority of our issues come because we've been wounded and we've been hurt. Um, some people actually don't recognize that link, um, but everyone that you know who is struggling at any level, which is probably everyone you know, okay, it all can be traced back to a wound or a hurt, okay? There are things that have happened to us, and we'll get a lot more into that actually in our next session, so I won't dive too deep into that, but it's important. That we walk through this key, and I'll will tell you the first the first blank there is that healing life hurts is the process of inviting the Lord into the hurts of our lives, and allowing Him to heal us from the inside out. Psalm one forty seven three, He heals the brokenhearted, binds up their wounds, and so this key is about truly bringing Him in to the things that have hurt us and wounded us and really getting his perspective on those things. Um, One of the things that we love, um, actually it's something one of our program directors in uh, one of our homes shared, that she went through a really, really dark, painful season herself. And she found herself going to the Lord, saying, fix it, fix it, fix it, I want you to fix it. And he said back to her, I don't fix, that's not what I do. Because to fix something just means to repair it. He doesn't fix. He said, I restore. And that's very different. And so she looked up the meaning of restore, it means to put back to the original state, which I just thought was such a beautiful thing. And so the definition of heal is to make sound or whole. And guys, I mean, let's... I, We don't want to say up here that at some level you can somehow be completely and fully healed and whole this side of heaven, right? But we are all growing towards greater healing and greater wholeness. Yes? Amen. Can we all agree with that? Is anyone in the room like, uh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm like fully healed, fully whole, never struggle, never hurt, right? Okay, like we're all on this journey. And so we are just inviting the Lord into these things as they come up. And it's important for us to know that Jesus is fully committed to our healing process. That's your next blank. He is fully committed. I love this scripture. I just want to read it. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Love that. So what does Healing Life's Hurts look like? And this is what we literally will walk people through in the study. One is inviting Jesus into our memories and getting his perspective And we will literally guide people through questions here, okay? So we will have people pray like, God, here are some of the things. We we will, well, actually, let me go in to give you the next blank um, because that leads into this. Allowing him to bring up the memories that he desires to bring up through the Holy Spirit. Y'all, you do not need to go memory chasing here, okay? That is not going to be a wise thing. The Lord is really, really, really good at bringing to mind what needs to be dealt with right then, okay? To say, let's figure out every wound you've ever experienced in your life and process them all together with the Lord right now, you are setting yourself up for disaster, okay? So it's just asking the Lord, what does he want? Like in the study, it's, Lord, what is one hurt for my life that is still affecting me? What's one hurt? Just, can you just put your finger on that? Guys, he will bring up what they're ready to process. And if you go memory chasing, you can re-traumatize people so easily, okay? And so you may even know a lot about their life. You may know a horrible thing that happened with this person and their father and be like, you know what, I think we need to process with the Lord Is that thing that happened with your father. No, do not do that. Let the Lord bring it to mind for the person. Which is why, again, first things first, you are equipping and helping the person know how to hear from the Lord for themselves, okay? And so allowing him to bring up the memories that he desires. He will bring up that thing that happened with their dad whenever they're ready to process that with him, okay? It might not be today, and it might not even be with you. And so then through that process, when he brings a a hurt to mind or memory to mind, we guide people through some questions like, here's what I felt, here's what happened. And some of the most important questions, God, where were you? What did you think? What did you say about that situation? And guys, I will tell you that the Lord, I wish I could share some stories right now, but the Lord has brought some things to people who have processed through some of these hurts that has been so beautiful and healing to their hearts in those moments, of things that they actually thought you abandoned me in that moment, God, and he actually gave them a a clear perspective of the truth of what was happening in those moments, and it just brought such healing to their hearts, okay? So inviting him into this is so, so, so powerful. Um, let's go to the next one, which is renewing the mind. That's the next key. I will not land on this one too long because this one, probably for most people in the room, you're like, yeah, I've done a million things on this process of renewing the mind, replacing lies with truth, all of it's so important. But when we are hurt and when we walk through wounds, actually, oh man, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me start at the beginning. First of all, you have a choice in your thoughts. We have to remind people that they actually have authority and responsibility over what they allow to swim around up in their minds, okay? Will thoughts come into your mind uninvited? Just give me something. Okay, I'm like, I'm so tired of my voice right now. Okay, just, yeah, let me hear y'all. Yes, there will be thoughts that come into your mind that you did not ask to come into your mind. The enemy can plant thoughts in your mind, right? There can be things that happen, but... At the end of the day, we actually do have the power and the authority to determine what gets to sit down at the table and hang out with us, okay? So when a thought enters our mind, we have the responsibility and we have the power and authority to say, hey, I'm going to accept this thought as truth or I'm going to reject this truth as a lie. We have that. But here's what will often happen. Um, Man, I keep wanting to go to the next blank. Sorry. Okay. The next blank is you need to know who our enemy is. And John eight forty four, that's there on your pages, like, just perfectly captures it. He was a murderer from the beginning. He always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Liar and the father of lies. That is our enemy. That has always been his mode of attack, starting in the garden. It's always been deception, deception, deception. And when we go through moments of pain in our lives, when we are hurt, when we have been wounded, we will often make agreements with the enemy in our minds over, over something, either something about ourselves, something about the Lord, something about other people. So when we're talking about um, the lies that we believe, it could be things that we believe about ourselves, that I am damaged goods, I am worthless. Um, it can be things about God. He has abandoned me. He has forgotten about me. Um, it can be about other people. I can't tell you how many young women have come into our residential program who have said, all men are out to hurt me. All men are dangerous, right? And this is a, That is a, an agreement that they made because of a hurt that they went through, okay? And so when we agree with something from the enemy, it's kind of like signing our name to it. It's like pledging an agreement with that lie. And what happens is that then over the course, there's always a moment, there's always a moment where you make that agreement initially, right? But then throughout the course of your life, anytime you experience anything that remotely supports that original agreement, you're like, see, I knew it. I knew it. And it just seals that lie all the more. So, uh, maybe when you were a teenager, you were praying to the Lord for something that you, you know, really deeply desired and it didn't happen. And you're like, God doesn't see me and God doesn't care about me. And then later on in life, something else happens or you experience a loss. You're like, yep, just like I thought. God doesn't see me. God doesn't care me. Do you see how that happens? Like over the course of time, anything that remotely supports it just seals it up all the more. And so what we want to walk people through they, they walk through this healing life search but we also want to, to help them identify the agreements that they have made throughout their lives. Oh, that's the last blank. The power of agreement. Yeah. That was the that was blank I just kept wanting to get to and never actually pointed it out. Sure. Um, we have to help people identify the agreements that they have made and then help them because y'all, before, before we can just start throwing truth at them, we have to actually help walk alongside them in breaking agreements with the lies that they have believed. And it's not weird. It's not like it's just like just declaring like in the name of Jesus, I'm breaking agreement with the lie that I am damaged goods. I'm breaking agreement and I'm going to believe the truth of God. And that's it, okay? And I actually heard this on the podcast as well not too long ago on on this topic. When you do that, you're not praying to God because you didn't make the agreement with God. You mean agreement with the enemy. So you just saying, in me, in the name of Jesus, I am a son or daughter of God, and I have the authority to break agreement with the lie of that whatever it is, okay? So walking them through that process. But then every single time you break something in prayer, you have to replace it, okay? You have to replace it. And so that's where the truth comes in. And that, that can be a very practical way of, of writing out true statements, going to the word of God and finding truth to replace um, the lie that you have broken. Um, and then, I mean, it can be as practical as like, I don't know how many of the women in the room did uh, Beth Moore's Breaking Free. Anybody? <coughs> she had like these little cards, do y'all remember the cards? Yeah. Um, sorry guys, it was awesome. Um, so she did, and that was the first time I was introduced to this idea of writing truth on cards. Y'all, if you pulled up my first right now, I promise you would find a stack of note cards in there. Right now, when I start Walking through a season of like, I am really struggling with the lie that whatever it is, I'm going to break agreement with that thing as soon as I identify it. I'm going to the word of God. I'm going to God in prayer through the Holy Spirit. I'm writing out true statements on note cards. I'm carrying them with me. And then every single time those old lies come up, I'm busting out my true statements. And y'all, it's so important that we, we teach people how to say these things out loud. Out loud, it is not enough just to think them in our minds. We need to speak the truth of the word of God out loud. And we also need to help people hear the Lord speaking them over us. It's different, like I can read words on the page, I can even read scripture and just read them as words on a page, or I can actually choose to hear the hear the Lord speaking those truths over me through the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense like the difference? Between just like reading words and actually receiving those words from the Lord himself. And so teaching people that is really important. And also remembering that renewing the mind is an active process. Because y'all, we can get all sciencey here. But I'm sure a lot of you in the room know because this is pretty common language around the church. Not like We have neurological pathways that scientifically have been proven. We can redirect them. Like this whole idea that like scientists are coming up with, we have these things in our brain and we can rewire them and we can send them around. It's like, yeah, God, that's how God made it. And so when he says renewing the mind, I think that's what he was talking about. Like we actually have the ability to do that. God has given us that ability to redirect the pathways, but it doesn't happen overnight. In the, in the study, we talk about trails and just how like a walking trail doesn't disappear overnight as soon as people stop walking on it. It takes time. But as people stop walking down a walking trail, over time it grows over, it just disappears, and you can create new ones. But it takes time. It's not a one-time prayer. It's not a one-time process. So helping people commit to that process is really important. Okay, last one. All right. Choosing to forgive is our next one. And guys, ooh, we could land on this one for a long time. But as I've already said, this one is so, 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 so vital to the process, um, God commands us to forgive. And I think sometimes people have this mindset that it's like, well, I gotta do it. 70 times seven, God said, right? I don't forgive, I'm not getting forgiven, like God said, you know? And I think we can just treat it as such a law and almost see it as like, what a mean guy. Why does he make us do this, you know? But I think the reason he, he lands on it so hard in scripture is because he knows what it does to our heart and he knows what a significant key to healing forgiveness is. And so I think that's why he, he, he really pushes hard on it. He's like, you gotta do this, this is for your heart, this is for your healing. So forgiveness, your first blank is forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. And plays a pivotal role in the healing process. It is not a natural response, y'all. It's not natural for us to forgive. It is supernatural, it comes from Jesus. And I also think we need to help people understand and walk in the forgiveness that they've been given first. You can't give away something that you don't carry, okay? So the depth of God's forgiveness towards us is what gives us the power to forgive. So we need to make sure that people know and understand what they have been given in order for them to actually be able to give that away. I'm gonna hit really quickly on some of the common myths about forgiveness. I'm literally going to give you these blanks, say one thing, and we'll move on. But again, we unpack all of this in the study that you'll be getting. Um, First common myth is that if I forgive someone who hurts me, then I'm saying that what they did was okay. Y'all, forgiveness is not about the people who have hurt you, and it is definitely not a stamp of approval on what they have done to you. Forgiveness actually has nothing to do with the other person. It is a transaction between you and the Lord. The next one is withholding forgiveness is a way to punish those who hurt me. I'm sure many of you in the room have heard the saying withholding forgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I always thought that was a Joyce Meyer quote. Looked it up. Apparently, a lot of people have claimed that as their own quote. So I don't uh, know who I said it, was it. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. We'll go. Oh man, he always wins. <laughs> he's
2: a little older. That's always got C.S. Lewis yeah. should
1: for sure get credit for that quote. Um, so we'll go with him. Um, but this is just again, it's not about the people who have hurt you. Very likely have moved on, and they don't know. They don't even know that they, they don't even know you're mad. You're the one who is slowly dying inside by, by withholding that forgiveness. And again. doesn't have anything to do with them it's between you and the Lord and on that note another myth is that I can't forgive until the person who hurt me apologizes and we would just say that your freedom can never ever ever depend on another person doing the right thing because if your freedom is dependent on someone else doing what they're supposed to do then you will never be free that's a really dangerous road to walk down Then the last one is, if I I forgive someone, they have to remain part of my life. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two completely different things. Completely different. And if the other person is unrepentant, toxic, not healthy for you, reconciliation may not even be a wise thing. Now, forgiveness could be the beginning of reconciliation. It could, and that's a wonderful thing when that happens, but it does not have to be. You can still be healed and whole and free in your heart and soul without having to reconcile with that other person. Again, forgiveness is between you and the Lord. And so, again, as we've said with all the other things, forgiveness is an active process, not a one-time prayer. As you continue to walk out forgiveness, the Lord will shift your heart. But let me just, I mean, y'all, how many times have you prayed for forgiveness through full-on gritted teeth? Like, I am choosing to forgive this person, and I'm still so mad, right? That's where it starts, okay? You make the choice, and then it is an ongoing walking out of that process. And I believe that as you are obedient and faithful in that process, the Lord will begin over time to shift your heart towards that person. And it is a beautiful thing. Um, And in this study, we walk people through a prayer. Of forgiveness, we. This is our second edition. I will say our first edition. I felt like the forgiveness prayer was way too weak. It was like, I forgive and I release judgment in Jesus' name, amen. I was like, that is not good enough. We're going to have to get deeper. And so we actually really built out that piece um, because what's important is that we also count the debt because the debt actually matters and the debt matters to the Lord. And to be able to say, this is what happened and this is what I expected from this person. This is not what they gave to me. <clears throat> and releasing them from that debt but also then inviting the Lord in to say, how do you want to fill what they did not fill? How do you want to step into that place? And really inviting the Lord into that whole walking out of forgiveness. And so, again, that's all throughout the study. And then the last one, and then I'm passing it off for the rest of the time. Forgiveness is an act of obedience. Oh, I didn't did know Are you okay? I Okay. Can do that? I can do that. okay. Yeah. Forgiveness is an act of obedience. We walk people, again, through some questions and through a prayer, um, but reminding people that a a beautiful story I once heard was that a lot of times we imagine God, like we we think about forgiveness and we imagine like a little boy on a playground and a bully comes over and like beats him up and then God goes over to the little kid who's beat up and says, now go forgive him, (laughs) right? And instead... What forgiveness is, is actually God going over to that little boy who's beaten and bloody, picking him up, holding him, and saying, hey, let me show you the pathway to healing. And that pathway is through the road of forgiveness. And so for us to remember, it's a good thing that God has asked us to to forgive. It's for our good, and it's for our heart, and it's for our healing. Um, And so let's move on to the last few keys. And I'm going to start figuring out how we're going to get
2: books to y'all. Awesome. Okay. Uh, yeah. So using your authority in Christ. And again, uh, this is really, really big. It's, uh, so that, that first blank authority is delegated power. Uh, I, I mean, one of my favorite moments uh, in the Bible, and especially, you know, discipleship conference, Matthew 28, go make disciples, right? And, and we have in our church, like on one of the walls entering into our sanctuary. Uh, in Acts, when Jesus is like, hey, he's he's there with the disciples, he's almost about to ascend, and he says, hey, here, uh, I've given you my authority, power, uh, to go to all the earth and be my witnesses, and so that delegated power, like that, it's something we actually tangibly do have, like we have the power of God to uh, proclaim the gospel and and bring all this healing. And so he has given us that power in the Holy Spirit. And so using that personally and using that uh, especially as we're walking through with people, that's huge. Um and the opposite of that, I think, or what curtails that is uh that second blank, oppression, uh, which just means pressure. And I don't know if I you know, and this is another one of those like, oh oppression what, what, what weird who are these people
0: you
2: uh so and you know I, I remember very much uh i was i did seminary in new england and i remember uh whenever we got to uh salem like ooh salem which stuff it just felt heavier And I don't know if any of y'all have experienced that i certainly like i didn't come from a charismatic background so it wasn't something that like yep this guy will definitely feel but i just if i felt heaviness and and that could have been heartache or anything else but i I know personally when i get into some situations i'll just i'll feel heaviness Uh, and whether it's bitterness or anger or or, uh, sadness i mean just all these things where it just feels like there's weight or pressure Um, and so again like realizing like oh i do i have power to actually shed that weight and i can walk in the authority that christ has handed to all his disciples to not be held down by that pressure anymore um and so that that's a huge huge component a lot and it's funny a lot with a lot of these keys it's not like all right move on through step one step two step three like a lot of times it's hey This is the key that I really need to to really camp out on for an elongated period of time. Um,
1: And understanding that, sorry, I can't keep myself. We have such
2: a long time usually
3: to talk about this. I know, y'all, I'm
1: really sorry. Um, The authority piece also, though, completely radically changes the way that someone prays. Mm. And so I think that shifts the way you go through everything Mm -hmm. in life. Because when you realize that I actually get to claim my inheritance as a daughter of God, and I'm not saying going out there and like claiming the, you know, the Tesla you see out in the parking lot, I'm not name it, claim it, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that you know from scripture what belongs to you as a son or daughter of God. Like scripture is very clear that peace and joy and freedom and forgiveness, and those are mine, that's part of my inheritance. So I get to declare the truths of God over my life and that's why there's scriptural declarations that it directs you to on that page. But those are, not, those are declarations from the word of God that I'm going to say. And again, I'm not actually speaking to God. I'm not, I'm not demanding of God when I'm making declarations. I'm demanding of the enemy to give back to me whatever it is that he has stolen from me. Because I have the authority to claim it. I belong to God. I have an inheritance that is mine. So now when I want peace, for example, on the way in this morning, uh, I'm like, no, no fear, anxiety, whatever, in Jesus' name you have to go. Peace belongs to me. Peace is my inheritance. I don't have to scream and yell and get weird. Okay, I'm just going to be like, no, in the name of Jesus that has to go. I'm declaring the truth of God over my life and what he says belongs to me. So, that will also affect yeah. the whole process as well. well just as praying
2: said. and believing God is actually doing the things he says he's going to do. I mean, that's huge. Uh, Alright, so the next one is breaking generational patterns. Um, that So that blank, Jesus' perfect human life made possible a second birth through his blood a new bloodline was created and so i I, you know many of us here probably have understood that like a lot of those hurts a lot of those things come from a lot of the familial patterns generational patterns things like that that we uh maybe of of absolutely no you know i'm messing my kids up in some way they're gonna carry these patterns that have been handed down kind of in a much uh, more serious way, like there are patterns from my parents and my family that I have walked into and kind of notice again that have been passed down, just like you've inherited certain things, whether it's genetics or like eye color or you know how thick your hair may be. Um, but what, what's great is when, when you are truly adopted into the family of God, um, you have the power and ability uh, to have that heal those generational patterns and also create good new life-giving ones. Um, and so I always tell this story that my father, who's a fighter pilot, like think Tom, top, or Tom Cruise, like Top Gun kind of fighter pilot. Uh, and he gave me this mantra. This is, this is where you need to live is always leave yourself a way out. That's a great that's a great kind of thing to hand down generationally for a fighter pilot, not a great one for a father or for, a, you know, a pastor or someone where, hey, like, I think the, the Jesus version of that is like, hey, uh, I'm going to give up my life for these people. I'm not going to leave myself away out so that I can give life to others. And so you just see those little things, just that being told down to me. That mantra kept me in, out of a lot of trouble in high school because I was good at getting into trouble, but not so good in that. And so through this, I've had the ability to shed that kind of old, just simple generational pattern. I know there's much deeper, darker ones that, that we kind of hand down, but that's just a little example of just a thought pattern uh, that I get to not pass on. I, because of this new bloodline in Christ, like I'm a part of... His bloodline now, and that's stronger than any kind of physical bloodline. Um, so, uh, the last one is maintaining lifelong freedom. Uh, again, the journey to freedom is a lifelong process. process. Okay, they got <laughs> um, and so just very quickly, I know you all have heard these things. We talk about these four stay ins, and so this is a it's hey, go through this, and you've got to continually do these things. So, uh, stay in the word. Right, Like we are hearing from the word of God. We have to stay close to the Bible, the primary means of his communication, of his heart, his intention for us, his guidance for us, all of that. Uh, Stay in prayer. Um, Again, that conversational connection, communing with the Lord. And then stay in fellowship. I think this might be one of the harder ones, surprisingly. Uh, I know for men especially, like, hey, good, close friends who are uh, connecting you with all of these other pe- pieces. And then hopefully that part of that fellowship is staying in accountability. Um, I think especially if you were on staff at a church, if you were in any kind of like position where you are discipling others, it's extremely important that there are a couple people in your life who can ask you any question uh, that you cannot hide from. You can s- and, and accountability sometimes gets a bad rap, but I think it's accountable to... These healthy patterns. Accountable, hey, are you staying in the Word? Are you staying in prayer? Uh, are you connecting with other people? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good.
1: Ooh, y'all, we've never done that in an hour. We've <laughs> never tried to go through these. Where's that I want to say? Because you're all going to get one of these. And since you're getting a free gift, I might keep you one minute. Okay, one minute. One minute. <laughs> I just want to make sure that you guys know um, something I was speaking with some people at the table yesterday about is just that this study. Uh, first of all, before you take anyone through it, please go through it first. Do it yourself, do it with just one or two other people. Because I'm telling you, like you want to know what it is that you are carrying and that you're gonna be giving away. Um, but also, I would say that the point of Keys to Freedom, we've had some crazy testimonies of people that go through this. There are lots of churches all over the country that are utilizing this. There's a church in Franklin right down the road from here who actually took their entire church through this. Um, the testimonies are awesome I love it I get very excited about it we have someone in there who has led it one billion times as well um, and so they're awesome but here's the most important thing about this this book it is an equipping tool so you learn how to walk out healing life's hurts you learn how to walk out forgiveness you learn how to walk out renewing the mind how when I see a generational pattern popping up in my life I know now how to break that and what the process looks like So this is, that's why we call it discipleship. You're teaching people how to use principles from the word of God for their own healing and freedom. And you never stop using them. People go through this study and they're like, what do we do now? We're like, we literally just gave you all the keys. (laughs) You use them all the time. Like, that's what you do now. Some people have gone through the study like 10 times. And I'm like, great, that's great. Like every time the Lord brings something else up and, and I am thankful that I carry these keys because I have to use them All the time in my own life and so this is an equipping tool that is what this is for and so um, if you guys have any questions about the study we also have leader guides out there um, if you want to facilitate a group or take people through it. You can get one of those. Um, But I I would love to answer any questions. Our table is literally right outside this door. So if you have questions about anything we just talked about or anything about the study, please come chat with anybody on our team. We should be able to answer them. Um, But they're going to give you a copy on your way out. I don't think I got more free stuff for the next session. So don't come back like, where's what's next? Like, I don't know. I don't (laughs) have nothing left. But hope you enjoyed the study. Thank you guys so much for being here this morning.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I hope that it helped you, encouraged you, and inspired you. Filled you with hope to know that these things are actually possible for you. Hey, next up, we have another episode from Mercy Multiplied. And before I sign off, I just want to remind you of the ad that we played today. Make sure to go check out betterman.com. All right, y'all enjoy the rest of your day.
3: Better Man is about unleashing a better masculinity and manhood, one rooted in God's timeless word, a free resource for churches, men's groups, fathers, brothers, and husbands. Better Man is a deep dive into what it means to be a real man. Too many men today are lost, walking around in a masculinity fog. Better Man is the clarity and conviction you need to be the man God has called you to be. Check us out at BetterMan.com.